Well, hey, everybody, welcome to The Crossing today. Let me go ahead and welcome all of those who are joining us, The Crossing Midtown, The Crossing West Henderson, our microsites, those watching online. Can you just welcome them with me right now? Love you guys. Love that you're a part of The Crossing with us. Well, I don't know if you have noticed that our country is politically divided right now. Maybe you've been living under a rock and you did not know that. I think that this political cycle will be the most politically contentious election that we have seen in our generation. And so how do we respond as a Christian? In two weeks, I'm going to kick off this series called The Separation Between Church and Hate. Now, this may be the dumbest thing that I've ever done in the church before, but I just think we need to talk about this stuff and to talk about how we respond as Christians. So we'll kick that off in two weeks on Super Bowl Sunday. But today we are in week three of our series that we are calling Letters from Your Future Self. Or I could have titled this Shane's Therapy in Front of 6,000 People. <laughs> but I just believe that the stuff that I have dealt with and that I have learned are the things that you deal with as well. And the theme of this series has been this. It's the decisions that you make today will shape your tomorrow, that we all wish we could go back and give our younger self advice or wisdom based on what we have learned over the years, but you can't go back and undo the past. But we can begin to shape what our future looks like and to become all that God desires for us to be. Well, my grandson's name is Luca, and he thinks that I am pretty amazing. And I love him. He calls me um, He calls me Pop. My name is Papa, but he calls me Pop. That's what he always calls me. And he comes over to the house a couple times a week, and he always enters the house like Kramer used to do on Seinfeld. It's like, I'm here. And as soon as he comes through the door, I mean, he has his arms wide open. You know, he's ready for a hug. And so, you know, I'll give him a great big hug. And if you're a grandparent, you know that your grandkids give the best hugs in the world. And this is how we start off life. We start off life with our arms wide open. And then something happens and it becomes like this. Somebody says something to you, they hurt you, and it becomes like this. Something else happens, it becomes like this. And finally, we're just like this. We just have our arms closed and we all tell ourselves, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Because to be human is to be hurt. And if you are hurt enough, you begin to tell yourself, no one is ever going to hurt me like that again. And so we protect ourselves. We protect ourselves from ever facing that kind of hurt again. And we put up this barrier between us and the people around us. I see this happen in marriages all the time. It happens in dating relationships at work, in friendships, in families, between a brother and a sister, a mom and a dad. Well, today we're talking about this idea right here. It's vulnerability over protection. It's vulnerability over protection because all of us want to kind of protect ourselves from getting hurt. How do we become open to being vulnerable again? Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Numbers chapter 11, and let me set the scene for you. The scene of this story happens when the children of Israel are wandering in the desert for 40 years, that God called Moses to lead his people out of Egypt, but Moses didn't want to go to begin with. 
He had been in hiding for 40 years taking care of sheep. He was used to being by himself. And one day when he was by himself, this bush starts to burn, but it doesn't burn up. And God speaks to him through that bush. And he says, I want you to lead my people out of Egypt. And he said, God, send somebody else. I don't want to go. Well, he finally goes. But things don't go the way that he thinks they should go. And we're going to pick up our story here in Numbers chapter 11. It says, Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance of their tents. The Lord became exceedingly angry, and Moses was troubled. Have you ever noticed that complaining is contagious? That if one of your kids starts to complain, the other kids will try to outdo them, to outcomplain them because their lives are worse than the other kids. Well, here in this story, it says the people of every family are wailing. That every time the children of Israel faced hardship, they blame Moses. When they run out of food and water, they blame Moses. When they find that they're in danger, they blame Moses. And what is happening here is they are tired of eating manna. That God provided manna every day for them to eat. They couldn't store it up. They couldn't keep it for a week. They could only use it for that day, which was a huge lesson in that God provides for our daily needs. But they had manna for breakfast and lunch and dinner and snack and before they went to bed, and they are sick of manna, and they want meat to eat. So Moses, it says that, that he, asked, he asked the Lord, next slide, he asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give birth to them? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on an oath to their ancestors? Have you ever been mad at someone and you were just waiting for them to ask you what is wrong? Because you've been practicing. You've been in your car practicing what you want to say to them. And as soon as they ask you what's wrong, I mean, you are ready to let them have it. I think this is where Moses is. I think Moses has been practicing what he wants to say to God. And when he finally talks to God, he goes into full meltdown mode. Are these my babies? Did I give birth to them? Why should I carry them? around in my arms. In other words, God, this is your fault. All of these people are blaming me, but they ought to be blaming you. Why do I have to carry them? Why have you brought this trouble on me? God, this is your fault. He says, where can I get meat for all of these people? They keep wailing at me. Give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all of these people by myself the burden is too heavy for me, and now we're getting to the bottom of this. I can't do it by myself, God. I'm trying to carry this burden all by myself, and it is too heavy for me. Here's what happens when we are in protection mode. When we are in that mode to protect ourselves, we start creating a story. Darla and I have a misunderstanding and so I create a story around that. Well, she doesn't appreciate how hard I work. 
She doesn't notice all the things that I do for her. And I begin to create a story in my mind that is not true. But it affects the way that I treat her the next time that we're together. Here's the story that Moses has created. I'm all by myself. There's no one to carry the burden with me. Everyone's blaming me, and God doesn't even care. Now, as we will see, none of that is true, but that's the story that he's created. And if you don't have people in your life who have permission to speak into your life and the burdens that you're going through, you will do the same thing. He says, if this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. If I have found favor in your eyes and do not let me face my own ruin. If this is you're going to treat me, just kill me. God, if you like me, if I've found favor in your eyes, then I want to die now. He was discouraged. He was disillusioned. He was full of despair. Years ago, I had to let someone go for moral reasons. And whenever you do something like that, you can only give so much information about the details. But even though it was difficult, that our leadership was convinced this was the right decision to make. It was the right thing to do. But on the Sunday that I got up and announced it, someone came up to me and they just said, how dare you? You work for us. We pay your salary. You should have been the one that was fired. And I had one of those Moses moments. God, if this is how it's going to be, I quit. This isn't fair. I just want to be done with that. You've had one of those moments as well. You've had one of those moments where you're like, God, this isn't fair. I'm trying to do the right thing, and then I get blamed for all of this. I'm done. I'm just done. Moses isn't complaining against God. He's coming to God in complete vulnerability. Isn't there something inside of you that says, can we do that? Is it okay to ask God those questions? Let me assure you that God can handle your meltdown moments. Well, the Lord finally answers him. And the Lord said to Moses, Bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. Now, when the children of Israel were wandering in the desert, they set up the tent. It was also called a tabernacle. It was was like a portable worship center. But don't think of like this elaborate cathedral. It was just a tent. And in this tent was kept the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. In fact, when they camped, all of them would camp with the tent of meeting in the middle so that they would be surrounded by the presence of God. And the tent of meeting is where they would go meet God. And God says to Moses, don't come here alone. Bring the top 70 leaders with you. Bring the people that you trust the most because they are going to stand there With you. And God says this He says, I will come down and speak with you there. And I will take some of the power of the Spirit that is on you and put it on them. They will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. Well, in the Old Testament, God would give the Holy Spirit to certain people for certain purposes. 
Now we live in this new testament period, this new covenant, that everyone who has surrendered their life to Jesus has the Holy Spirit. But God had given the Spirit to Moses to help him lead the children of Israel. But God says, I'm going to take the Holy Spirit that has been on you, and I'm going to share it with them so that you don't have to carry this burden alone. And I don't know whether you noticed that God uses the same language that Moses uses. Because Moses said, I can't carry these people by myself. And God says, I never intended for you to carry it alone. Moses says, this is too heavy for me to carry anymore. And God says, they will share the burden of the people with you. See, Moses was used to being alone. You remember, Moses grew up in Pharaoh's palace in Egypt. And then when Moses was 40 years old, he killed the Egyptian trying to protect his own people. And then he became a fugitive. He went on run for his life. And he spent the next 40 years taking care of sheep. He spent his days alone. Now that might be fine when you work with sheep. That's never God's intention for people. And what God does here is so helpful for us because God doesn't just take the burden away. That's what we always pray. We always pray, God, would you just take this away? This is too heavy for me. God, would you take it away so I don't have to carry it? But God doesn't always take the burden away because if he did, you would not grow. You would not stretch and become the person that he wants you to be. But God provides strength for us to get through it and people to share the burden. That vulnerability, it takes courage. If you're going to be vulnerable enough to let other people share the burden with you, it takes courage. We know what it is to be vulnerable. Being vulnerable is is putting yourself out there and risk being turned down. It is asking someone out. It's initiating intimacy with your spouse. It is sharing your secret for the first time. And then if you decide to share something very personal, you have what, what Darla calls the vulnerability hangover. Do you know what I mean by this? The next day, you begin to panic. I can't believe I told them that. What are they going to think of me? So then you pick up the phone and you try to undo everything that you said. Well, I hope you don't think I'm a really bad person. I mean, I was just having a bad moment. I don't want you to think poorly of me. Vulnerability takes courage. It's learning to be authentic to all and vulnerable to some. That we ought to be authentic to all people to take off the mask and let them see the real us. But to be vulnerable to a few trusted people that you can share those things with in your life. Brene Brown is a New York Times best-selling author, and she has probably done more research on vulnerability than anybody else. That I was reading her book this week called Dare to Lead, and she describes the four myths of vulnerability, these four myths that we believe around vulnerability. Here's this first one. Myth number one is that vulnerability is weakness. And so what we tell ourselves is, I don't want to look weak, so I can't look vulnerable, otherwise people are going to think that I'm weak. The truth is, vulnerability takes courage in your life. It's not weakness. Here's myth number two. Myth number two is, I don't do vulnerability. I mean, can't you just hear somebody say, I don't do, I don't do that. I don't do vulnerability. Unfortunately, you can't opt out of vulnerability. Every one of us 
are vulnerable. It's just a matter of whether you are aware how you come across in your vulnerability. Here's myth number three. I can go it alone. See, this is our protectionism coming out. I don't need anybody. I can, I can do it all by myself. And as we saw with Moses, this is not God's intention for you. It's not how God created you. Here's this last one. Myth number four is vulnerability is disclosure. Now, there's a misconception that being vulnerable means oversharing. Now, we all know somebody who overshares, and they start talking, and in your mind, you're like, you need to stop talking. Right. <laughs> and so what we do is we don't want to be like that, so we go the opposite direction. Well, these are all myths. That is not what vulnerability is. So how do we know when to be vulnerable? How do we know when to be vulnerable? Brene Brown talks about in her book that when her daughter was in third grade, she said that, that she came home from school sobbing. Something embarrassing had happened to her at school, and she told her friends, and they promised not to tell anyone. And, well, of course, they told the class, and everyone knew. Well, when you're a parent and your kid comes home like that, you're like, tell me who those kids are. I'm going to take them out. And then you go, don't trust anyone ever again. We begin to tell them, you, you just can't trust people. And instead, she talked about what she refers to as the marble jar, the metaphor of the marble jar. And let me just read this for you from her book. She says, we trust people who have earned marbles over time in our life. Whenever someone supports you or is kind to you or sticks up for you, who honors what you share with them as private, you put marbles in the jar. When people are mean or disrespectful or share your secrets, marbles come out. We look for the people who, over time, put marbles in and in and in until you look up one day and they're holding a full jar. Those are the folks that you can tell your secrets to. Those are the folks that you can trust with information that's important to you. Here's what vulnerability is. Vulnerability is the courage to let someone carry your burden. That's vulnerability. It, it's the courage to let someone carry the burden with you. Look at the way the Apostle Paul talks about this in Galatians chapter 6. He says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, what is the law of Christ? The law of Christ is that you love people the way that Jesus would love them. You remember the night before Jesus was crucified, he was with his disciples, and he says, a new command I give to you. He says, love one another as I have loved you, so you should love one another. That's the law of Christ. And what the Apostle Paul is doing here is he's using a play on words. Because this church that he's writing this letter to in Galatia, this church wants to go back to the Old Testament law. They want to go back to their old religion. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying here, he's saying, if you want to hang on to the law, then hang on to the law of Christ that you love the way that Jesus would love. So how do we do that? How do we love the way that Jesus would love? You carry each other's burdens. You carry each other's burdens. Moses said, I can't carry this burden alone. Well, Paul comes along and he says, we carry each other's burdens. Listen, I can't carry everyone's burden, but I can carry someone's burden. And the application here may be different for different people in the room. 
The application for you from this scripture may be that you need to carry someone's burden. You need to enter into the messiness of their life and take time to carry a burden. But what this may mean for some of you, that the application for you is you need to let someone carry your burden, which means you need to be vulnerable enough to share what your burdens are so that they can walk this journey with you. This is the weekend that we celebrate the life and the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. His most famous speech happened at the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in 1963. And he got up and he spoke in front of a crowd that was estimated to be about 300,000 people. And he says, I have a dream. I have a dream that one day our country will all come together. That our children will all play together. And this is what began to move the tide for the civil rights movement in our country. But it was also at this very speech that he said, we cannot walk alone. We cannot walk alone. We carry each other's burdens. That's the way that God intended it to be. Here's the way the, the Apostle Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 4. He says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. I love this because the Apostle Peter recognizes that we are all imperfect people. There are times that I hurt the people that I love the most. And there are times that they hurt me. And it is not their intention. It's just a result of our brokenness. But when we love each other deeply, when you love deeply, it covers over a multitude of sins. It covers over a multitude of mistakes that you can trust that love. Well, here's this big idea for today. It's this. It's be authentic to all and vulnerable to some. You be authentic to all. That you need to take the mask off. Stop making yourself look better than you really are. Stop trying to trick people into thinking, oh, they must not have any problems. That we need to be authentic to all, but vulnerable to some. That we don't become vulnerable to everyone, but we need to with someone that you have somebody in your life that you trust enough to share your burden with and that they can share their burden with you. See, that's how God begins to do what he does in our lives. And in this series, I've been sharing two things. I've been sharing a verse for us to memorize and then a letter from my future self. And so our verse to memorize today is this verse out of Galatians chapter 2. Now this 6, uh, excuse me, chapter 6 verse 2. Now this scripture is easier than the weeks that we've had before. I hope that you remember the verses that we've memorized the last 2 weeks. Okay, I could test you right now, but we don't have time to reteach those to you, so go back. But this one's easier because this is just in two parts. And so we're going to do it the way that we've done it the past few weeks. Um, I'm going to say each phrase, you repeat it, then we'll say it together, then we'll take it off the screen, and uh, we'll have it by that point, right? Yeah, right. Okay, come on, come on. you got to be with me. Okay, so here we go. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. All right, let's say it all together at all of our locations. Let's say this together. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill 
the law of Christ. So now you've got it. So we're going to take it off the screen right here. And now we're going to do this one more time. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. See, this is what God wants to do in us. And here's this letter that I have written to myself. It's just this right here. Dear Shane, you're going to be betrayed. You're going to be disappointed in people. And your natural reaction will be to pull away, to never let anyone get close enough to hurt you again. Don't do that. Remember, hurt people hurt people. Many times the reason that someone hurt you is because of their own brokenness. Try your hardest to keep a soft heart and to not be easily offended. Carrying each other's burdens is not always easy. Learn to be authentic to all and vulnerable to some. Have the courage to let people see the real you and to be vulnerable enough to let others in to help you carry your burdens. This is how God will help you become more like Jesus. Signed, your future self. So here's this question that I want us all to wrestle with, just to begin to apply this. Is there anyone outside of your family who shares the burden with you? Is there anybody outside your family that you are vulnerable enough to share the burden. Now for some of you, there's nobody in your family that you're vulnerable enough to share the burden with. And we have to let people in. This is how God makes us more like Jesus. That you need people who are encouraging your faith your walk with Christ. And there needs to be some people that you're encouraging their faith and their walk. That we need each other. This is how God designed us. And for some of you, it's time to open up your arms again. Because you spent too long like this. You spent too long saying, nobody's ever going to hurt me again. And so they're never going to get close to me. And it's time maybe just to begin to open up your arms and to say, this is how we become more like Jesus. That we carry each other's burdens. And so I want to pray with you. And maybe for you, maybe there's a burden that has just seemed too heavy. And you can give that to God. But maybe for you, it is just saying, God, this hurt, this protection that I've had in my life, I need you to begin to work in me, to take that away, to do your work in me so that I can open my arms again. So I'm just going to invite you just to bow your heads, and I'm just going to give you just a minute to pray, and then I'll pray for us all together. So why don't you just take this moment and just talk to God. God, it is so easy for us 
to just close other people out. When we get hurt, we don't ever want to be hurt again. And so we put up this wall of protection. God, would you give us the courage to become vulnerable again? Give us the courage to let someone else carry our burden with us. God, would you help us to to enter into the messiness of somebody else's life, to help them carry their burden? God, we know that this is the way that, that you intended for us to take care of each other that we become more like Jesus. So would you do your work in us? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.